pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Rock 101 Sports presents the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Free Game. Starring Pete Christie, Jared Johnson, Sean Dillon, and host of the Rockin' Free Game, Jeff Scott. Everybody knows, I mean, we're gonna get some, they're going to load the box. And Taj has been great his whole career about making people miss and, and the hard runs. Does that mean that we just still try to, you know, run the ball where we can't? No, we're going to have to throw the ball a little bit when people do that. We know that. Welcome into the Rockin' Pre-Game Show. Pete Christie, Jared Johnson, uh, Sean Dillon, Soldier Boy. <laughs> Intern Todd. Intern Galore. Uh, we are at uh, Bubba's 33 over at the South Plains Mall. Come on out and join us. Uh, get some food and drink before, during, and after the Red Raider game. Texas Tech taking on BYU today, 6 o'clock Central Time on FS1. Coming up on the show today, we'll visit with former Red Raider Lyle Leong Jr., now the head football coach of the Leveland Lobos. Do some rocking research with the voice of Cougar Sports Saturday, Alex Curry. Take a deeper look at where we see the Red Raider coaching staff right now. We'll look at the offense, the defense, rock and roll, and give you our rocking predictions to get you ready for the game. But first... Checking the pulse of Red Raider Nation with our rockin' reality check. Well, let's get the reality check. And, uh, Jarrett, man, you always shoot straight after a, a loss last week to Kansas State. Is it 11 of 12, 12 of 13? I've already forgotten. 12 of 13. Gosh. Eight in a row. How, how are you feeling today as they are, they're in Utah for the first time ever? Uh, how am I feeling about it? i got to be honest. I am... Scared? Under not scared. I'm <laughs> underwhelmed with the performances here. I feel like so much potential, uh, yeah. that unfulfilled potential this year. You know, I feel like the Red Raiders could easily be what six and two, sure, or six and one, five and two, something yeah. like that, uh, instead of three and four. Math's not my strong point, but uh, <laughs> I was told there would yeah, no there'd be no math. But bottom line is. I don't feel like the personnel is being utilized, you know, to its utmost potential, not even close. I feel like I was, I was, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I was shocked that they didn't run the, run the ball with Todd more, uh, despite Kitley showing a proclivity to do that earlier this year. Again, against West Virginia, even though the passing game clearly wasn't working, they continued to throw it all over the yard. I think Barron was like 13 of 37 or something like that. Uh, Tyler Shuck struggled at home against Tarleton State, even when he was healthy. And then, uh, you know, true freshman. But true freshman Jake Strong threw three interceptions in the second half last year. So that is the definition of banging your head against the wall and expecting different results. While you have a bona fide stud in Taj Brooks, averaging six yards per carry in the backfield, who there's such long stretches where he doesn't see the ball that we're left considering did Taj get hurt. You know, when, when he hadn't been. So, I, you know, that was – I feel like we've talked about this a lot this year, but it's a recurring theme, not because of us, because it keeps coming up that they need to feed the ball to Taj and do everything else 
off of that offensively. The defense, after allowing just 17 rushing yards against Baylor, give up 272, five touchdowns to uh, Avery Johnson. Everybody says he's a backup quarterback, but the dude's a four-star uh, recruit. Just, you know, I, everybody should have known that Avery Johnson might have been somebody they went to in the quarterback running game. Um, Tim DeRuder, Texas Tech defensive coordinator, I'm a big fan of. He said he was surprised. They weren't prepared for it because they hadn't seen him do it a whole lot this year with Avery Johnson. I mean, it's Kansas State, quarterback power running game. Uh, last year, they they crushed you with the run, with quarterback running game. So I, I'm, I'm a little, not depressed, I'm a little concerned. I think concerned is the word about the state of Texas Tech football going into the game tonight. Well, I, just the, the elephant in the room, who do you think is going to start at quarterback today? Well, I've heard some people say Baron Morton. I really honestly don't know. I, to me, it seems like Baron's really banged up, and he could use some time off. they got a bye week next week, uh, but they got to win this game. Yeah. So if he can go, and you know he wants to go, Baron's tough, he wants to go, but uh, then he will. But I still think even if Baron starts – I think at some point we see uh, the true freshman, Jake Strong. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't think this team was going to be three and four at this point, especially when the expectations were more than lofty for the year. And right. now, you know, we're, we're eyeing the, the Depends undergarment bowl if we get <laughs> oh, anything. if you get to a bowl. Right. And, and so, you know, it, it, it's disappointing. But, uh, you know, you, it's just like life, man. You, you got some adversity. Yeah. These guys have got to fight out of it. You win today. You get your second straight road win after they look so good at Baylor. Uh, you know, maybe Jake Strong will shine today if it's his time. But, uh, you know, BYU is, is up and down as well. I know yeah. it's going to be tough to play there. But uh, Tech's favored by three of the last. Really? Uh, the I think last they opened line. at four and a half favorites. So. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, the last time they played BYU, 1940. Uh, Sean, what was that game like? <laughs> wow, I don't know, Pete. What was it like? Oh, I don't know. Didn't no, you? <laughs> don't you start with I that. wonder who's older, actually, because Pete, he's one of those, he won't say what his age is. He won't. Well, you don't ask a man what his age is. I thought it was a woman. No, I thought a dude didn't care. Well, you know, it's Pete. So, so he, I'm going to tell you my rock and reality check. Oh, yes. Okay. Feed Taj. Feed Taj. And when you think you fed Taj too much, feed him again. Keep feeding and uh, we're going to get into it later into the show, but there are so many excuses, and yeah. I know this program does not want to be a program of excuses, but if you were at that press conference and you heard yeah. that press conference, you would be like, is this team un- haven't won a game yet? It just seemed like it was a defeatist attitude, and I don't think that this is what this team expected this year. Yes, they've had injuries. Yes, the defensive uh, the linebackers have been hurt. Yes, you've, you're down to your, your 18th string quarterback. But you got to do something. You've got to pull out some testicular fortitude and, and say, yes, we are better than this. Yes, we are going to play for this game. We're going to win BYU. We're going to win versus TCU. And we're going to get to the bye week. We're going to get healthier. And then we can find one, way, one more win and get to a bowl. I think if they get to a bowl, then everything with all the adversity they face this year, that would be ha- I would be happy with just a bowl. Give really? Me- you would be? No, I feel like dude. this season's already been yeah, but a no. disaster, really. You but, know what I mean? Like, if they get to a bowl, then great. I mean, that's better than not, but... 
but the thing is, this was a disappointment. I think it's where we're at right now. Yeah. The whole game would be, but ideal. A, but it's a disappointment. Well, yeah. But the thing is, is this: Do you think that with all the injuries and etc. That having oh, been, man, those are excuses. I don't want to hear that. Injuries. I don't want to hear that. Kansas State was, no, was no, beat what, up. What I'm saying is, is that it gives these young players. We are seeing the future of the Red Raiders yeah. next year. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Next year already, halfway through <laughs> this year. I'm just saying. I, I mean, I'm just just discussing with you. I, I have a question for y'all because I believe we all were at the press conference on Monday. What did y'all think about McGuire's plea to the fans to to stay with the? Players? That was interesting, and the way he did it, like at the end too, was kind of like like you said, a plea where it was, he can kind of see the writing on the wall, and it's yeah. kind of like a last ditch effort in a sense, which is. It would make a little bit more sense if it was an upcoming home game for right. him to do that, but then we have an away game plus the bye week. Bye. It's yep. like fans aren't going to remember that when they think about, oh, it's for November oh, he'll 2nd. Do it again. Yeah, yeah, and I think I don't think the fans not showing up to a November 2nd night Thursday football game will be an issue. I think that'll be a really actually fun environment. Um, yep. that, who knows? Maybe we can gain momentum off of. But uh, it was interesting. And the way he did it, too, after his time had ended, and he kind of he held back to, to say that. Did it smack a desperation? Yes. I mean, for being honest, yes. I mean it was yes. it was a desperate plea. Well, at, to, yeah, to not lose fans. Yeah. But he said that the players are not giving up. Don't give up on the players. So let's Sounded see. Like he was, but let's see what happens today. If they, yeah. I mean, I have not seen this team quit, but no. we've seen teams no. in the in the past oh, quit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's see today if if the wheels start coming off. Uh, are they going to fight? Or are they going to ro- lay down and roll over? I think it smacked the desperation, but I didn't have a problem with it because I felt like it was sincere. Maybe it's just yeah, because I, I feel think, like well, I you know, think like, he's sincere. Yeah, and and you know he's. I mean, obviously he loves this team. He he knows they could he, they can do better, and all, all the people complaining and stuff. No one's going to hit these team this team harder than themselves. You know they're all in there upset. They never thought they were going to be three and four and two and two in the Big Twelve. But they had a chance last week uh, to get that. You know, off their back of, of losing the Kansas State, they could have been three and one in the Big Twelve. Uh, just you know, a lost opportunity when they battled back and took the lead. They well, did. Yes. Instead of telling them, why don't we play it and let the fans tell us what they think? And you can text it in at eight zero six nine hundred one zero one one. What you think of McGuire's statement about fan frustration? I'm a fan. Like, I get it. Like, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. It broke my heart for the last couple decades, you know, and I, I totally get it. Like, I understand how frustrated our fans are. And uh, trust me, I am too. I've said that before. But what I do want to do is thank them. You know, I want to thank them for, like, our, our, our student section was unreal Saturday night. And it just continues to be, you know. And, and we had a packed house. And it was uh, we have such a great environment. And so – you know, what I would say is, uh, one, thank you. And, and I would tell you this, um, no matter how you feel, this team hadn't given up. This team is, uh, comes to work every day. We've had a ton of kids in here already to do extra on an off day. They're going to be here this night, tonight on their own watching film. And so uh, for the Red Raider fans, man, we need you. I know there's a bunch going out to Provo for uh, the BYU game, but we're going to need you on Thursday in a couple weeks against TCU. And so as frustrated as you are, and I feel your frustration and totally understand it and I can appreciate it, I always said and I always will, um, you know, say whatever you want about me. But one thing about these, these players, they haven't given up. They're not going to give up. They're proud of, you know, being Red Raiders. And so don't give up on them. Show up. Be the Red Raiders that we know you are. And just for me, thank you for everything you're doing for these players. 
So I appreciate that. Thank you all. Off the text line at 806-900-1011, Stephen says he sounds like Matt Wells already. Hmm. I don't think so. With all due respect, to, I, I can't remember uh, who was on, his name on the text line, but I, I don't think he Steven. sounds like Stephen. I don't think he sounds like Matt Wells. I mean, honestly, Matt Wells, I consider him a friend. You know, I mean, we still yeah. text. He, you know, uh, he and I have been there for each other and gone through some stuff uh, with the, with our families when he was here, and I got a lot of respect for him. But man, he made some huge blunders in terms of uh, press conferences and just the. I think his radio, his Thursday radio show, when he couldn't think of a thing, a good thing about Lubbock. I mean, that's a pretty big. That's a softball question that that he swung and missed uh, at uh, in terms of what you like about Lubbock. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I can't – I mean, McGuire's so far from that. I mean, the guy is, is pretty smooth overall. And know? sincere, like you said. I think everything – I, I never really get a vibe of him faking or saying something right. just to say it. Yeah. And, Wells, there was some of that, you know, where he was obviously trying to put a, a good face on publicly for, for certain things when, when he could. So I, it, what it is is another season, I think – Russell, you mentioned it before the show. It's another season where, yeah, there's a lot of injuries. There's a lot of we're halfway through the season before we even get to November, and we're saying, what about next year? You know, you're saying, Sean, uh, you know, so many injuries to the quarterback position. And some of that, I mean, they got to start taking the blame for it. Protect your quarterback, you know? I mean, come on, stop running your quarterback so much or stop calling so many passing plays where receivers aren't getting open. Coach up your receivers, Bring in better offensive linemen to protect your – I mean, all that stuff. Do you think um, in the past two years now that Kitley is – I mean, we've had quarterback issues before Kitley was here, but um, through this season and a half we've had with him, do you think the no huddle has played – and the super fast-paced offense that we run at had, can play a role into the fatigue and injury? Every coach that I've covered that runs an up-tempo style is so excited about it. And they, you know, they talk and talk and talk about it. And then it gets to the games, and it's like – they hurry up and they get like a one-yard gain or a false start penalty. You know what I mean? They like rarely works on game days, it seems like, at Texas Tech. Now, I've seen other schools use it and use it with great success, but uh, was it Yost was the same way? We're going to be the fastest offense in the country, and do we really see that pay off? It seems like they're no. better when, they, when they're more methodical, both the previous coaching staff and this, this, co- this team, current edition of the team. Well, if they don't turn things around, I mean, I can already tell who's getting the first pink slip, and I'm not even going to name the name. Why? Name the name. Throw it out. It's going to be Kitley. Yeah. I mean, I mean the fans. But yeah. you see that week after week. I mean, he. I mean, I don't know. I, I, fourth and two, and it's too cute. You don't run it. Yeah. You th- with Jake Strong throwing it, and I don't know. What did you think of that play? Because I asked. Remember, I asked Kitley yeah. about it, and what did you think about his explanation? Remind me what he said. He said we had. They had do you have it? I Sean, do, we I have do. the clip, but I'll. You know, for those who don't remember, it was when he was struck. I mean, I don't know. I just. You know, obviously they didn't expect him to play, and you know it's not going to be perfect. But he I thought it was going to be better. For it. Do you think so? I understand like the logic of when the defense that they were given where to throw to because they did bottle up like the play design on the left side, but in the grand scheme of things, in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. I think just run the ball or do something that you can get a guaranteed pass out of. Yeah. And they've already said he's going to play on Sundays, Taj Brooks. Why, I mean, if he can't get two yards. Right, exactly. How, but, how, many, how many times has, has Taj had a fourth and one and fourth and two 
and he's barreled through that first Get those tackle. gritty yards. That's what McGuire said all year. Get those yep. muddy yards. Okay, let, let, let's get to this. Yeah, so that was a, kind of a split field call. We had the fade on to, to JB right there, and then we had a, a quick game concept to the left. Uh, they went cover zero on that play, um, so what wasn't really an option for the, for the run on that one. And again, man, those are some scenarios where you want. That's what you want. You want a one-on-one scenario, and... Uh, we didn't win the route, and then we end up overthrowing it a little bit. So, you know, looking back on it, that's one of the ones you'd like the quarterback to be a little bit more patient, see that we don't win on that route, and kind of throw more of a back shoulder because the, the field concept uh, was covered up, and so he did the right thing working the one-on-one. We just got to deliver on that play. I mean, it, it makes it sound good, but, I mean, no. I, I just think you got to run the ball. And what was that, his fifth career pass? I mean, it was like Something the second like or first yeah. try, yeah. I think. I mean, throwing, throwing that young throwing man to the fade. wolves. And Bradley yeah. hadn't been good this year. I mean, let's be honest. You know, he's not a yeah. guy you think of. of like, Who are you most disappointed on the, on the wide receiving? Well, I mean, that's it. That's the answer is Bradley. I mean, Dre McCray is a close second. He had a nice kick return, but he hadn't really done anything as a receiver. Um, so uh, there's a lot of – that whole receiving core hasn't been good. Let's be – Coy Aikens, come on. Miles Price has had a couple of good games. The tight ends, to me, are a different discussion. They just need, you know, more looks. But the receiving core, especially – I mean, we're about to have one of the, one of the former greats here on the show later. There have been so many good receivers come through here this century – uh, and I just can't, like, I don't know if anybody on this roster would start on, on teams from 10 years ago or 15 years ago. No. Or see the field, maybe. Hey, and you can get us uh, your comments on the, the text line, 806-900-1011. Just text us again, 806-900-1011. When we come back, we will, uh, Jared Johnson does such a great job at Inside the Red Riders. Every week we kind of, he kind of, I shouldn't say we, he uh, compares <laughs> BYU and Texas Tech recruiting over the last five years uh, with the, the BYU being new kids on the block. Let's uh, find out how their recruiting matches up with Texas Tech. We'll look at that when we come back. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show from the patio of Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting with 24-7 Sports, Jared Johnson. Well, Jared, uh, each week we've been kind of, you've been kind of comparing, uh, you know, tech and whoever they're playing, recruiting, looking over the last five years, who still, who paid dividends, who was a bust, who had, you know, who had a better eye at talent. Uh, let's look this week at Texas Tech and, and BYU. Yeah, looking back, uh, going class by class, starting with 2019, a tech, and I broke it down a little differently, a little more in detail. I went high, by high school recruiting, transfer recruiting rankings, and then the combined overall. Texas Tech in 2019 was 62nd in terms of high school recruiting, 42nd in transfer, and 65th overall. BYU was 81st in high school, which is not good. Neither is 62nd. And uh, 35th in transfer and 81st overall. So neither one of them had very good 2019 classes in terms of recruiting rankings. But... I mean, some pretty good players uh, coming from those those classes who are actually going to be playing tonight. Rabbit, uh, Tony Bradford, Austin McNamara, those are all good, critical players. Uh, wide receiver Chase Roberts, one of their top receivers for BYU. Uh, DB Ethan Slade, he had six tackles, I think a team leading six tackles against TCU, and one of their starting offensive linemen, Braden Kime, is, uh, was also in that class. Uh, going back to 2020, Tech ranked 48th in high school, 26th in transfer. Uh, which is really good. I think we saw that's one thing that Matt Wells and his staff did a good job of was hitting the transfer portal. Um, like I said, 26th, or yeah, 26th in transfer for 47th overall. BYU was 80th in high school 
And they didn't have a transfer. They didn't bring in a transfer, which is crazy in 2020. So they're 81st overall. Um, Miles Davis, another one of the top receivers. He was actually recruited as a, he was a running back in high school, but is one of the one of their top receivers. And then uh, uh, Preston Rex uh, is an, is a DB they got out of that class. Tech got Taj, Miles Price, Caleb Rogers, big parts of their offense uh, in that 2020 group. In 2021, Tech finished 74th in high school, 21st in transfer in the country. So there there it is right there. That's where the big impact was. Uh, they're 55th overall in the U.S. combined and 10th, which last in the Big 12 in high school recruiting. But Baron Morton, Bradley, uh, Jaron Bradley, Mason Tharp, Cameron Valdez, along with transfers Rashad Williams, Malik Dunlap, and Josiah Pierre. So, I mean, high school ranks, big-time players offensively, but you brought in a lot of starters who had years of eligibility left on defense. Uh, BYU in that same class, 2021, 77th in high school. Oof. And 44th in, in the transfer for uh, 70th overall. I mean, in terms of notable players, one of their DBs, Jacob Robinson. That's really all I could find who, I, who I'm expecting to play from, from that class tonight. Where does the, the recruiting battles between them, now that, now that, that you've, you go from uh, mid, you know, Mountain West and, and, you know, American Conference to an actual real conference, how does that lift up as they get closer to becoming a Big 12 member? Well, we've been, we've been doing this in, like, Houston – BYU, Cincinnati, they're all at the bottom in terms of recruiting rankings uh, compared to the Big 12 schools. And not only for in recent classes, but I'll be talking about the 2024 class as well, and they're all still in the predicted uh, Big 12 or the future Big 12. They're in the bottom of, of those rankings as well. So they have a lot of work to do, you know, to, to build. It's, it's With football, it's not like basketball. Basketball, you can go get two guys, and you can change your whole program around. Football... I mean, heck, you get 20 and you still got work to do, you know? I mean, it's just, it's a completely different thing. Um, 2022, Texas Tech was 43rd in high school, 25th in transfer. That's a common theme. I mean, they really did a good job uh, through the transfer portal the last several years. Uh, For 46th overall in the country, 7th in the Big 12 in terms of high school recruits. Ben Roberts, uh, Joseph Adedire, or a couple of high school recruits already making a big impact. And then in terms of transfer transfers, Miles Cole, Baylor Cup, Cole Spencer, Monroe Mills, Jacob Rodriguez, who's who's injured, of course, but and Tyler Owens. So those are you know, a bunch of starters. BYU with that class, uh, 56, which is a little bit better than, than what they had been doing previously in terms of high school, and 46 with transfer for 57th overall in the country. Uh, one of their starting offensive linemen, I love this name. I can't say the last one, but uh, Kingsley Suamatea. Uh, one of their starting offensive linemen, and then wide receiver Parker Kingston. He's he's a pretty good one. Uh, he came, he got came out of that class. And then 2023, we start we start seeing a big difference for Texas Tech. 28th in high school in, in the country, uh, 59th in transfer because they didn't take as many transfers to be quite honest. 36th overall and fourth in the Big 12. That's that is solid right there. Jake Strong, Brendan Jordan, Chapman Lewis, Michael Dingle, all guys we've seen this year and could see tonight. Braylon Lux. Steve Linton, Rusty Stats, Dre McCray, Quincy Ledette, C.J. Baskerville, all uh, train. I, I said they didn't get a lot of transfers, but dang, that's a pretty good group. That's a lot of a lot of starters there. Uh, BYU 66 with the 2023 class uh, in terms of high school nationally, 20th in transfer. A lot of guys they got in the transfer portal this last offseason are going to be playing tonight. 
uh, including running back. Well, this actually is a high school guy, L.J. Martin. He was a former uh, – I actually created his profile for 24-7 Sports, and uh, he was a Texas Tech commit for a long time before – I think he flipped to Vanderbilt and then to BYU. No, Stanford. He flipped to Stanford and then BYU. Now he's playing a lot. He may be their leading rusher as a true freshman, uh, L.J. Martin. They got him out of Texas. Uh, and then tight end Jackson Bowers is another uh, good high school recruit. They got a four-star guy. Uh, in the 2023 class. Their quarterback, Keaton Slovis, transferred in from USC. That's somebody to watch. Man, some of these names I can't say, uh, but several starting offensive linemen. And then finally, 2024, we're talking about for future reference. Obviously, they're seniors in high school. Uh, Tech ranks 23rd in the, in the, in the high school and, and uh, first in the new Big 12. Obviously, Micah Hudson, uh, Will Hammond, Cheeto Ophili, all, you know, Mike is the highest rated guy to commit to Texas Tech in the modern era in terms of recruiting rankings. And uh, Will Hammond's four-star, Cheeto Ophili's a four-star. Ellis Davis, four-star offensive lineman, probably going to play right tackle at Texas Tech. Really good uh, high school class. BYU ranks 68th, uh, 14th in the new Big 12. And that's including the four, like that's the 16-team version Big 12. So they're 14th. Not great. Uh, in, in terms of uh, high school recru- uh, recruiting rankings right now. I was hoping that you would, you would say A.J. Von Punk Chong. Nah, I wasn't going to try that. <laughs> no, no, sir. Look who just p- pulled up to say hi. He's going to come in for next segment. Nah, let's talk to him now. Let's go ahead. Go. Uh, well, we ask all these. First off, thanks for being on the show. Lyle, Lyle Leon joined yes, us. Thank yeah. you. Uh, but we always ask every, every former Red Raider about the recruitment, too. And do you remember how it went down? And if you have any stories you could share, or all, all that. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, get to come hang out. You know, honored to get to hang out with you great fellas. And um, I think they've done a great job. I've always said I think some people kind of differ with me <clears throat> when I talk about it. But I think it's hard to uh, recruit to Lubbock, Texas. I think that they're doing a great job with the facilities and, and, and building it up and um, but I think, like I said, when we first came out here, I know I've had so many guys uh, that I've hosted that we've come and, and I picked them up and they literally asked me, where are they at? And so, uh, I think It's not a good look when you first get into Lubbock, right? You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's not a good look. They should fix up the when you first drive in or when you get off the plane or whatever. Well, they say know? to fly them in at night, so uh, <laughs> get them to where really? they need to go. <laughs> So I, I think they've done a great job. I think that it'll get better as our facilities continue to grow and, and, and continue to get better. But I think uh, as a host or as playing, a lot of our kids that we had um, were around West Texas. And I think that's a big thing that they've done is kind of hit this West Texas area. And I, I think there's so many guys that I play with from around West Texas, you know, my teammate Taylor Potts, Baron Batch, all those type guys that that know what West Texas is about and, and want to be a part of it. So I think they've done a great job, and I think it's going to continue to get better. I think what they're doing is amazing right now with facilities. So to come into Lubbock and, and recruit kids and them to see facilities, and as young kids, it's hard to say, oh, this is going to be a three-story, right. top-of-the-line <laughs> facilities. When you pull up, you're like, hey, man, what's going on here? I haven't seen a building in 10 minutes, and then I pull <laughs> up and y'all are building on the stadium. So I think they've done a great job of getting um, – recruits to come in and I think just secondly it comes down to how the recruits perform so mm-hmm. I know Mike Leach's best year uh, we had a lot of three stars and a lot of two mm-hmm. stars and mm-hmm. I think we had maybe two four stars in Crab and Graham but yep. and maybe Louis Vasquez but 
other than that, we had a lot of three-star, two-star. So I think it's one of those hit or miss. The stars are, are great for um, as far as, you know, getting on the rankings and getting up there. But I think at the end of the day, finding those recruits, I think that's what Coach Leach was great at is finding the recruits and, you know, kind of using myself. I was 160 pounds and <laughs> right. not many muscles. And so I think he did a good job of finding those guys that um, uh, that want to be here and, and getting them to perform. And then your specific recruitment, uh Kind of break it, break it down. Who led your recruitment? What made you decide Texas Tech and all that? Uh, coach Brown, uh, you know, uh, Coach Brown was the DB's coach, and he recruited my area. Uh, great coach, and, and, you know, rest in peace to him. He was an awesome coach. But he, he came down, recruited me. I, I wasn't a highly recruited guy. Uh, my quarterback, uh, Taylor Potts in high school, was a very highly recruited guy. So um, I got kind of seen off of the things that he did and, and got an opportunity. I met Coach Leach. Um, actually, the first time I met Coach Leach, I was doing a high jump. I was actually asleep on the mat, and <laughs> I heard a voice, and I looked up, and it was Coach Leach, and he was like, you going to do something today? Or you gonna, <laughs> oh. right so I told my mom I might have blown my opportunity. But, uh, no, just getting to meet Coach Leach and, and those guys, and, and, you know, it was Dennis Simmons and um, also Coach Dykes. Just a great group of people. I'm, I'm a West Texas guy, getting to come be a part. My parents get to watch mm-hmm. the game. But overall, just the confidence and, and the, the greatness that, that the coaches came to, to kind of make me feel welcome, uh, you know, a 160-pound dude from Abilene, getting to, to feel loved by a Power 5 school was awesome. And it was just, you know, a blessing to get to come be a part of such great coaches and, and teammates. Well, when we come back, we'll talk much more with Lyle Leong about uh, Leveland football, about Red Raider football, past and present and even future. Stay with us. It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Show live from the patio at Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Looking at the Big 12 scores, we've got uh, Baylor. Going on the road and beating Cincinnati 32-29. Oklahoma at home holds off Central Florida 31-29. Texas right now leading Houston 14-0. That is uh, in the first quarter. And Oklahoma State at West Virginia. The Cowboys lead at 10-7. That is in the second quarter. Tonight, TCU at Kansas State at 6 o'clock. And then the Red Raiders at BYU also at 6. It is on FS1. And the Red Raiders favored by 3. That is your Big 12 scoreboard. The Rockin' Interview. We're here with Red Raider great Lyle Leong, now the uh, Leveland Lobos football coach. And uh, we were talking about recruiting. And, uh, you know, Lyle, go back to your playing days. What sticks out for you, you know, playing uh, with the Red Raiders? I think the the best part is just uh, the whole uh, experience, you know, the horse leading us out. And then getting to play for such a great coach and, and Coach Leach and uh, the coaches that coached along with him. So if you look at his, his uh, coaching tree, it's, it, it's wild from Coach Latrell to um, Lincoln Riley to um, uh, Eric Morris, to all those guys. So it's just it's been awesome to be able to be a part of such a, a great tree. I think that was the, the best part is just being able to play and then you know uh it's also pretty cool when you can watch the super bowl and see some of your teammates in there making plays so it was just it was an awesome experience like there's no place like lubbock texas there's no place like the jones and so 
I think that was the best part for me is just getting to be a part. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, if you got a question for Lyle, you can text us at 806 91011 And, Sean, I think you got a question. We got a question. Ask Lyle what was the best part of his rec- recruitment. Uh, the best part of the recruitment for me was Coach Leach had a magic trick. And uh, I wish I could tell y'all what the magic trick was. I'm not quite <laughs> sure if uh, I understood what the magic trick was. I think, like, Mike was the magic of that trick. But uh, he had a magic trick that he showed us at least five times. And so, you know, uh, me being being lucky enough to get recruited, I didn't want to mess up my chances, so I act surprised every time. But he, <laughs> he definitely showed us the magic trick about five times. So that was oh, probably man. the best part. <laughs> As you look back on your years what do you think that you would have liked to if you were a player today how is it that you would like to play on the field with this i mean you didn't have the the facilities the equipment that these players have today i think definitely i think it's awesome what they're doing i think the kids deserve it i know some people beg to differ on the nils and and things like that i think it's cool um, it'd probably be a couple things I'd change a little bit, but for overall, these kids deserve it, and, and uh, the amount of stuff that they get, um, they deserve it. But for me, it's just to be a part, man, to, to get the opportunity to, to wear that uniform, to run out on the Jones. There's there's nothing like it. And, uh, you know, if I could go back, I'd probably enjoy it a little more. It's one of those things, you know, when you're in college, you go out to practice, you're like, man, I'm tired, and then you can't wait till Saturday, and then practice comes, like, I can't wait till next Saturday, and Next thing you know, you're a senior, and uh, you're, you're going on senior night giving your, your mom some flowers. So if I could go back, my biggest thing is just to be a part. And I, you know, that's what I tell any athlete is just enjoy it, man, and enjoy those practices. Because, like, like I said, would I go back and want to do a practice right now? Absolutely not, or lift weights <laughs> or anything like that. But I wish I would have enjoyed it because, like I said, it's a, it's a really special place. I think the guys that come, the same guys, though, and, and you know, I joke around and say they, they ask where they were at when they got here were the same guys when they got in here and got to see what Lubbock was about they loved every minute of it so I think it's a special place you just got to come in and let Lubbock embrace you and um, like I said there's no better place uh, than Lubbock Texas and so um, I've got to enjoy it I I went to a game I think three weeks ago four weeks ago and uh, I tried to sneak in a tortilla, but they got me at the door. So <laughs> they did. Yeah, you, oh, they got come me. On. I tried to put in my pocket. sneak it in. I had it in my back pocket, man. I got kids. They lifted up my pocket. They made me toss it. So I've always wanted to throw a tortilla. Sorry, uh, oh man. <laughs> sorry, Coach McGuire. No, we'll us we'll not bring to. one in and we'll find you next time you go. <laughs> yeah. And you can throw a dang tortilla. Lyle Young should be able to throw a tortilla at the yeah. guys. Come on, man. <laughs> That's crazy. I I do have a question for you in terms of NIL. Hypothetically, if you can get an NIL, if you could have gotten an NIL deal, a sponsorship by somebody, who would it be? Oh, that's a really good one. Um, I think the biggest one for me that I would that I would like to have is probably um, I drive a, a Tundra truck. I really like my Tundra truck. So uh, for me, probably the biggest one would be uh, probably a Toyota. So I could get me a Tundra yeah. and drive it around, but. Um, I joke around with these guys all the time. I would have took anything. If Sonic would have gave me $10 to do a commercial, I would have took it for a free drink. So uh, I would have took anything, but I think if I could have got a choice, just so I could have a, a, a vehicle and, and uh, ride around and, and, I guess, look cool. Well, we have Zach, a rock and pregame listener who just walked in and has this question. What's your question, Zach? Oh, put him on the air. Uh, what do you think about the QB situation tonight, whether Strong or Morton? 
who do who do I want or who do I like? <laughs> who do you think is going to start? Not necessarily who you want, oh. but if we went, if Morton was able to go, uh, yeah. with an injury or you, if you would rather strong to step up and uh, be in that spot. Man, I think as a as a head coach, man, you know, definitely want to want to give Morton a chance if he if he can. You know, he's kind of waited his time uh, behind Ty and and kind of got to, to learn it, and they both have, but I would try to give him a chance, and as soon as he um, lets me know that it's hurting or if I, if I know that it could go from two weeks to the rest of the season and maybe next season I'll probably sit him out. And um, Like I said, it makes it, it, makes it tougher. So as a, as a head coach, when you got a young guy, um, I, I encourage people, like I said, man, when you get out there, my very first game when I looked out there and saw 60,000, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm supposed to be out here or not. And so <laughs> I'm just that receiver. I just had to block. So uh, I, think, I think he'll get it. I think even if we, you know, we got to go uh, with Strong, I think that he'll do a good job in his second game. I think his first game, jumping in there against Kansas State, who to me is a top four team. I, I mean, I think a couple uh, balls go their way. I think they're a top two team in the Big 12, honestly, behind Texas and OU. So I think uh, he was in a tough situation, but I go with Mort as long as I can. But definitely when we get in there, I give him a chance and just understanding as a head coach, you're going to get those mistakes. You're going to, uh, you know, especially going to BYU up there. It's, it's a different place. I know I've never been there, but I can only imagine. So I think, I think, uh, I think tonight, whoever we go with, I think it's going to be a, a better outcome. I think Kit's going to get an opportunity to kind of see what he did in the game and kind of, you know, when you get out there, a fresh guy, some things look good. Like I said, last night, man, I saw some stuff in my head that looked good that uh, didn't turn out quite that well. So I think uh, he'll, he'll do better today, and I think either way it goes, I think we get the dub. You mentioned Tech playing in a tough environment uh, tonight in Provo at BYU. What's the toughest road game when you were at Tech that you played? What's the toughest road environment you played at? Ooh. I think it, it had to do with uh, college game day, but definitely, you know, we were number two playing number five. Oh, OU. yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's the craziest, you know, situation. You hate the there. song Jump Around? Yeah. <laughs> I loved it until I went until to that the, game, yeah. and they played it and played it, and I'm like, I hate that song. Yeah, I think um, somebody in our box played it. I thought I was going to get fired because I was like, hey, y'all got to get that off, man. Turn it off. So I think that was the biggest environment just because the best environment is mm. i mean it was people i mean i think it was more people outside the stadium uh, you know than inside yeah. so just from the get-go from the intensity and you know we ran out the tunnel we had the whole ou team barking and doing everything else so uh definitely y'all run out the same tunnel yeah norman right and they've only been there a couple times for games so but y'all run out both teams run out the same tunnel there, right? Yeah, they waited for us at the end, and then they have, like, a little gate where the fans can, mm-hmm. you know, give you five. So they had fans there sticking their hand out, pulling their oh. hand back. They had fans spitting on their hands. So it was, oh. it was a wild, um, it was a wild uh, uh, game. So, um, like I said, I think that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, though. You know, you get to play a top-five game at night in a place like Oklahoma, man. You can't beat it. So. For me, that was the craziest, and that's probably like the only time maybe that in the Cotton Bowl when we played Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mississippi, sorry, yeah. um, that I couldn't hear the person next to me. You know, they used to have that, that uh, NCAA game where they go and do like yeah, they yeah. couldn't hear. And so that was the first time I couldn't hear from, you know, we're about six inches apart. I literally couldn't hear. So it was, it was crazy, and uh, it was a really cool experience. What's your relationship like with Joey McGuire? Oh, love him. I told him if he if he needs uh, two plays, I, I got him for about <laughs> one fade ball, one block play. I got him. But, no, I love him. I think he 
represents what Texas Tech is about. I think that he understands what Texas Tech is about, and I love the fact how he um, always shows love to the past while moving forward to the future. And like I said, since he's got here, I felt nothing but love, and um, I felt every time I come, I feel welcome. And so there's no better feeling to be in welcome back in a place that has took care of you, blessed your life, and let you be a part of it, and you love so much. So, like I said, I love him, and I told him, I got one fade in me if he needs me, so just just let me know. Well, you've said <laughs> multiple times already here just about how Lubbock, Texas is so awesome. How nice was it to come back? Now you're the head football coach in your third year out at Leveland with the Lobos. That's been the best part, and so getting to be so close where I'm able to come watch these games and be a part and like I said, shout out to Texas Tech for letting me be involved in some stuff, some alumni stuff, asking questions. Uh, I think it's been awesome, and there's no no better feeling to be 20 minutes out and get to come be involved, get to watch the games, as well as uh, kind of you know kind of add some of that. So you know our uniforms are kind of Texas Techish. Uh, so it, it's just cool to be a part and get to kind of coach my own my own team and 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 be with my people, as well as being close enough where I can call, and those guys are, you know, I can call Kit and ask him a question, and them dudes will, will answer or do anything that they, they can to help. So it's just, it's awesome to be a part of a place that you love so much and get to be involved. Well, and then everybody kind of associates you with Texas Tech and Mike Leach. Like, I went to the press conference when Estacado was playing you, and, and Blaylock's like, well, we know they're going to have that run and shoot going. He's going to air raid it out, and they're going to, you know, Mike Leach and stuff. So he kind of, people already kind of know what, what to expect since you're the coach. Oh, yeah, no doubt. If I could, I think uh, I think Mike would be proud of me. If, yeah. if I could, I'd throw it every time. So, you know, at the high school level, <laughs> uh, we got to run it sometimes. But, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from being in that system with a lot of great people and um, like I said I wouldn't be here without Coach Leach without those guys without Texas Tech I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys right now so I think that's been the coolest thing for me is to kind of look back and see how far it's gone outside of football the people I've gotten to meet and like I said getting to hang out with you guys here uh, pregame is, is awesome and so I think Texas Tech that's the thing that recruits gotta gotta understand too it's it's after football, too. It's not just during football. It's after football. It's what's connected with Texas Tech that goes a long way. So, I mean, when I go places, people think I know everything about the air raid because <laughs> yeah. um, of Mike Leach. And that's, that's just because of all these guys and Lincoln Riley that have continued to, to go and carry on his legacy. So it's a lot that comes with that that these guys, I think sometimes as a young kid, you don't think about that or understand. But as you get older, you'll see um, – there's somebody from Texas Tech everywhere you go that will take care of you, and it's no better place. Right, before we let you go, give us your thoughts on the game tonight with BYU. I'm excited. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to take them a minute to adjust. It's a different place. You know, GA at West Virginia for a little bit, so it's a little different when you go up in those mountains, and that's even higher up in those mountains. So I think it's going to. You know, it's going to take them a quarter to adjust. They're going to have some mistakes, I think. But I think overall tonight. They pick it up, whether it be more, you know, whether it be strong. I think that they pick it up tonight, and I think that they get a they get a win tonight, and I think that uh, I think they win by over fourteen. Oh wow! Wow, very nice. And uh, Leveland next week. Are you guys home or away? You got Seminole. We're at home against Ooh. Seminole for a senior night in our last game. So um, they're another team that likes to to throw that thing around, and and uh, so. Uh, we probably have about seven DBs tomorrow, and hopefully, uh, I mean, next Friday, hopefully they do the same. So I guess whoever throws the most yards will win the game. Awesome. Well, man, Lyle Leong, we appreciate you coming by the Rockin' Pregame Show today. Man, thanks for having me, man. It's an honor to get to hang out with y'all.
Awesome. When we come back, we will get some insight on BYU with Cougar Sports Saturday's Alex Curry. That is next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Show live from the patio at Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1. Voices of the Big 12. We're joined by the host of Cougar Sports Saturday and unrivaled on 97.5, 1280 Zone in Salt Lake City, born in Texas, but a cougar at heart, we welcome Alex Curry to uh, the Rockin' pregame. <laughs> yeah, man, this feels uh, this feels right. I might I might tune in. I might end up going into my southern accent by the end of this thing, Sean. <laughs> Alex, uh, it's homecoming for the Cougars, and both teams are trying to bounce back after disappointing losses last week. What was Kalani Sataki's message to the team this week? So they were shocked by. I mean, nobody expects to get beat forty-four to eleven. But one of the biggest weird things that happened for this team was, and this was, you know, as soon as post game hit, everybody was like, what, what happened? And it was, that was the most frustrating part is they had 14 days to get ready for this game. And they had the, you know, according to them, some of the best practices they had had in a long time. They were shocked by how poorly they executed against TCU. And that was massively concerning to them. He's a big positivity guy and sort of move past. He moves past all that pretty quickly. But I mean, Kalani's big thing was is kind of we know who we are, and we're not going to deviate. We're not going to do some weird, crazy, big time changes to anything. Uh, Keaton Slovis had a bad game, his worst game as a BYU player, and you know, flush it and move on. And you know, they they're really excited to be back at home. Obviously, that's a that's a huge deal for them. They like playing in the evenings too, and so uh, it's. It's way better to be back uh, this week not playing TCU is, I think, what the message is this week from Kalani. Well, the Red Raiders got away from the run last week, but face a Cougar team that has been unable to stop the run, giving up nearly 200 yards a game in the last four contests. What do they have to do to stop the Red Raiders? Yeah, so, I mean, this is always every team, every coach is going to tell you to stop the run. Um, And it's weird because a Texas tech team running the football and having a guy who's one of the best running backs in the country right now, that sounds weird, but they have to prep for it. And, and their linebacker core has been hit big time. And, you know, Ben Bywater not playing the rest of the season is a huge deal. He's had triple digit tackles the last two seasons. And so you talk about it and he's the, and he's the, the de facto, I mean, he's the leader on the defense, no question. He's that leader. And so stopping the run is, is always a fundamental to Kalani, and they've done poorly this year uh, compared to what he's done in the past. I mean, his calling card is lockdown defenses, and Jay Hill, the defensive coordinator, uh, who they worked together when they were on the Utah staff, uh, they have a, a very set way of doing things, and not all of these guys, I think, are dialed in yet. The scheme changed totally this year, and so that's still to be rectified, and they haven't done it through six games and I'm interested to see how they're going to try to attack it this week with the Red Raiders coming to town. Well, BYU's Chase Roberts is second in receiving in the Big 12 this year. What makes them so difficult to cover? And if they do, who should Red Raider fans be concerned of? Yeah, Chase has been really good since the – I mean, he's, he's actually been good the last couple of seasons, and he's been hiding behind, you know, uh, Puka Nakua a little bit. I mean, that's a guy who you, you're going to see his name always first when it came down to it. And even a guy like Keanu Hill was kind of ahead of Chase Roberts in the depth chart. Keanu Hill is still on this team, and he's a guy that you do need to keep an eye on because they, uh, Keaton Slovis likes throwing to Keanu Hill. Uh, it, the, the reality is, is that Cody Epps, number zero, this is a guy who was injured for the good chunk of the first uh, five games. He saw action against TCU but played really badly. And 
he's supposed to be a massive target. But Chase Roberts is secondary, and so is Cody Epps. All of this, it starts with the tight end. It starts with Isaac Rex. This is his guy. This is the guy that, I mean, honestly, Chase is going to be a big play, big opportunity guy, but a guy playing on Sundays is going to be Isaac Rex, and he's the he's the leading uh, tight end catching for touchdowns a career for a career for BYU tight end, which is a long list of really good tight ends. I mean, he's he's he should be the guy, and TCU held him to one catch for one yard last week. So Chase Chase Roberts, big time when it comes to the deep threat. Uh, Cody Epps, he's that slot guy who's super quick. But Isaac Rex sets it all up. You, you know, he's got to keep the middle of the field honest, and he's got to do it with his tight end. The Red Raiders were struggling against a mobile QB again last week versus Kansas State. What does Keaton Slovis have to offer this time against for the Cougars? Keaton Slovis hates to run, and they don't want him to run. The best version of him is not running. And, uh, you know, he also wants to throw the ball super efficiently. He wants to get it out quickly. He likes to read defenses pre-snap. Uh, there will be no problem of worrying about a, a quarterback on the run with Keaton Slovis. He is not Jaron Hall. He's not even Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson will sometimes get outside that pocket and be a little bit shifty. Keaton Slovis, that's not his game. He never even had a rushing touchdown in the previous three seasons in his college football career. He had three this year for BYU as a fluke, by the way. So uh, he's not going to be running the football. The best hope for BYU is that guy staying in the pocket and throwing. In-studio host for BYU, Alex Curry, joining the Rockin' pregame show. Max Tooley, AJ, those guys have been aggressive on D. Camden Garrett was hurt with an ankle but expected to play tonight. Who are the other Cougar players to watch out for on the BYU defense? So, yeah, I mean, the biggest deal is without Ben Bywater, that's your guy. He's out for the season. Yeah, uh, AJ Vonk Pachong. I mean, we don't even, we're not even used to saying Vonk Pachong that much either. He's a transfer in from Utah State. Uh, but you get to know a guy's name quickly when he makes as many plays as he does. Max Tooley, though. Number thirty-one. That's your, that's the linebacker that is actually the most veteran, even more so than Ben Bywater was. He's uh, got a lot of career interceptions. He's even taken a couple back to the house. He is going to be flying around. But Harrison Taggart is going to take the spot for Ben Bywater. He's an Oregon transfer. He's a local Utah kid who didn't get a sniff from BYU because he was offered so quickly by Oregon. Super talented guy. Super quick. Kind of uh, you know smaller for a linebacker, but. Uh, Eddie Heckard, also at the corner, a, a transfer from Weber State. Uh, he's got multiple interceptions on the season. He's really, really good in the secondary. But the secondary is beat pretty badly because the, Tanner Wall's out for the season. They're sa- one of their safeties. Like I said, Ben Bywater's out for the rest of the season. And this D-line has been underperforming a ton. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if Texas Tech starts pushing around this defense on the line, which they can do, they absolutely can do it, BYU's going to have a hard time. This is a bad, bad team when it comes to TFLs and sacks. And, uh, they, you know, if they can't get any pressure, that's going to be real tough. But their secondary and their linebackers are all pretty veteran, uh, even with the injuries that they have. But uh, the last thing I want to do is be taking, you know, attacking the run game with your defensive backfield. Well, with NIL and the transfer portal, you can't tell the players without a scorecard. Who are the younger players who are making an impact for the Cougars this year? So the biggest one is their – Transfer portal get from Stanford, L.J. Martin. He's their running back. He's a four-star kid. He's from El Paso, and he is a guy that has a ton of upside, and he's had a really bad go at it so far because they haven't figured out their their, their blocking schemes very well. But he's flashy. He's a true, true freshman. Uh, he's, that, uh, he's number 27 out of the backfield. 
he's probably their biggest contributor as a young as a young kid. Uh, most of everybody else is is pretty veteran. Uh, I mean, especially in the in the skilled positions, and so they're asking guys on defense to come in. They have a couple walk ons uh, that have made their way into the defensive backfield and have had to come in because they're three and four deep in their safeties, uh, and and that's not a place to be. Uh, but they're but. Uh, Raider DeMooney is a, is a guy who uh, was also a four-star guy out of high school. He's a freshman, came off of an LDS mission, and is still trying to get his feet under him. And so uh, he's another guy in the, def- in the defensive backfield. So he's kind of that, uh, that slash back, you know, backer, kind of uh, nickel kind of guy. And so uh, you see those guys. But the biggest one, the name that you'll actually see a lot of in a true, true freshman is LJ Martin out of the backfield. I've never been to Provo for a game. Uh, what's the game day experience like up there? Oh, yeah. It's uh, – I mean, listen. It, this is a dry town, brother. Like, uh, you know, this is uh, there's not there's not any alcohol to be consumed at the stadium or around the stadium. And uh, I'll tell you, Utah is number one per capita in the country on ice cream consumption. And I try to preach the gospel of bluebell ice cream to people here in Utah all the time, but like, it still hasn't made its way here. I don't know if there's like a, you know, if big ice cream is holding them back here. But I've always tried to pull. <laughs> But they, they take a lot of pride in their own homemade uh, yeah, BYU creamery ice cream. They hand out these cougar tails, which are these massive maple bars. They're about a two-foot-long maple bar. And uh, they're adding this. This is You guys, this is just for you. For this week, they're putting bacon for the first time on these giant maple bars, these giant cougar tail maple bars. So we take food very, very seriously in the stadium. And uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. I'm telling you, the, the view is unbelievable. So there's going to be people when people get that look for the first time in Provo, it is unbelievable. And uh, the mountains surrounding, I mean, look, I've been out in West Texas a handful of times myself. My brother played at UTEP, so we made that sad drive between Dallas and, and UTEP <laughs> a couple of times. These mountains are unbelievable. So it's a really beautiful setting. It's going to be a perfect weather day, too. Man, you had me at bacon. As you begin to experience life in the Big 12, what are things, uh, what are the biggest changes for for BYU and you guys? Yeah, so big-time football is something that BYU has always been playing, and they have felt a little bit like imposters for a long time, uh, you know, as an independent trying to build these weird schedules, and it was a weird, weird place to be. They were always the top dog in the WAC and the Mountain West, you know, to an extent, them in Utah, sometimes TCU. But they were always kind of that that premier kind of brand program, and that's not the case anymore, which is great. Like you need to figure out how the other people do it. You need to figure out how the other people do things. And the biggest change is going to be depth, and they're already seeing it right now. And the week in week out, I'll tell you too. In the past, they would lose to a team like TCU forty four to eleven in one week, and then the next week they have to play East Carolina in a game that means nothing. And I'll tell you, like we, our lives have improved tremendously just as people covering football because we get to go, who cares? You can't even think about TCU. You got to get bowl eligible. That's kind of the standard right now for this year for this BYU crowd. They're going, just get to six and six in your first year in the Big 12, and that's something to build on. And at four and two, and even four and one last week, they thought, hey, we're well on our way. But I mean, there's a real chance of going 0 and six in these final six games, and there's a chance you win three or four of them. I mean, you could. I mean, so. It's good to go week to week, conference opponents, games that mean something. That has just changed the entire attitude around the state of Utah when it comes to football this year. And it's just, it's been awesome. And, you know, uh, they're going to get their butts handed to them in basketball. Can't wait. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it's a small price to pay for these first years of being in 
in a conference that is, uh, you know, big time. It's one that I grew up watching as a kid, and uh, I'm excited. I love the in and out every week conference play. It's uh, unbelievably fun. K-O-N-E Lubbock. Well, what are the keys to tonight's game? Oh, my goodness. Both of these teams aren't great on the ground. <laughs> I mean, defending the ground game, rather, on defense. So I'm interested to see who's going to be the most pliable on that side of the ball. Which defense is going to give up more yards on the ground in the in these past few weeks? In all the games that BYU has won, with the exception of maybe one or two, they've actually trailed in yardage and time of possession. So they haven't really controlled these games. Uh, but they've and they haven't had a game that they've controlled at all. But big plays and good defense has kind of saved their butts. And the key to this game is is they can't let this get away. They were trailing against Arkansas 14-0, came back and won that game. They were trailing against Kansas 14-0, and they came back and actually made a game out of it. They took a lead at one point in the second half. They were down 14-0 against TCU, and it was not even close the rest of the way. It felt like the game was over in the first five minutes. You can't lose this thing early. Uh, you can't get down early. BYU's got to figure out a way to not give up so many points in that first quarter. They're one of the worst in the country at it. Improv expert, actor, and host of Unrivaled on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake City. It's Alex Curry. Welcome to the Big 12, and thanks for taking time to talk with us today. Appreciate you guys. Have fun in Provo. Well, when we come back, we will take a look, uh, a deeper look, at the Red Raiders coaching staff and uh, how things are going. So uh, that's coming up next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Show, live from the patio at Bubba's 33 at South Plains Mall on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Looking at the top 25 scores, number 22, Air Force, remains undefeated. They beat Navy 17-6. Number 6, Oklahoma, got a scare from one of the new kids on the Big 12 circuit. Uh, Central Florida, Oklahoma, wins it 31-29. Probably one of the games of the day. Number 3, Ohio State. Number 7, Penn State. The gets it done 20-12 over the Nittany Lions games in progress right now uh number nine oregon and washington state tied 10 10 late second quarter number 17 tennessee trying to beat number 11 alabama uh as they did last year it's 13 7 the vols late second quarter number 20 missouri on top of south carolina 24 3 late second quarter at the half number 23 tulane leads eric morris's north texas squad 21 nothing. Number 24, Iowa, 10. Minnesota, 3. 43 seconds left, second quarter. Number 8, Texas, on the road at Houston, leading 21 nothing. early second quarter. Games coming up tonight. Number 10, North Carolina, hosting Virginia. Number 13, Ole Miss at Auburn. Number 2, Michigan, goes to Michigan State. Number 16, Duke at number 4, Florida State. Number 19, LSU, uh, entertains Bryson Daly and Army. Number 14, Utah at number 18, USC. Number 5, Washington hosting Arizona State. Number 25, UCLA at Stanford. That's your top 25 scoreboard. A deeper look. Doing a great job in run blocking with them also um, saying, Coach, let me look. If you want to settle the game down and you keep talking about that, then let us do it. Uh, I said, you know, Saturday night, uh, Caleb Rogers said that multiple times to me during the game. And so I think uh, with with the biggest thing with Taj playing the way he's playing, um, you know, it gives us a great opportunity to be effective. 
Well, that's Joey McGuire. Uh, you heard what he said there about the you know the guys wanted uh, Taj, and uh, what are your thoughts about not getting enough Taj? Well, that has been the topic. Let's be honest. Really, for a lot of the season, the last month, and specifically this last week after the Kansas State game, that quote from McGuire was actually the Monday after Texas Tech beat Houston at home, and Taj had a great game and. Uh, he's, you know, he said the offensive line. I actually asked McGuire that question. You know, do you feel like you've established an identity? The running game is where it's at for Texas Tech, and yeah, he said, uh, you know, even the offensive line was asking for it. The fans are asking for it. It's clear to I think all of us who follow Texas Tech basically day in and day out uh, that it's clear that uh, you know the running game is where it's at this year, where. For the most of the, since Leach showed up in West Texas, it's been all about the passing game. Yeah. But I I don't care if they throw it eighty times, they run it eighty times. I want them to be effective. It, clearly, this season the running game is the only thing that's been consistently effective for Texas Tech. Now there there have been some nice plays in the passing game, but almost all of those have come off after establishing Taj Brooks. Baron Morton had that three touchdown game against Baylor. A lot of that was in the red zone he, I, uh, where Baylor was loading up to stop the run after you had already established Taj, not before or not because of this or that. It was because the running game had been so effective. And I feel like that is the key, not just for the offense, but for the entire team. Coach Ruder told me how it helped his defense as well, Texas Tech being a more ground-oriented team. We just heard Coach McGuire talk about it. The offensive line is asking for it. The fans are asking for it. So let's hope they do that tonight in Provo. Well, and on the flip side, you know, the error rate is, is not as uh, loud as usual, but um, Coach McGuire answered the fact about the passing game uh, not executing. Um, you know, I, it's it, we're different. Um, I think we're different definitely than we were the first two games and when we are now um and you know it's it's a mixture i mean i think uh one of the things coming out of um the game on uh on saturday is uh really challenges guys to be more physical in their routes and and uh, uh whenever things break down uh the scramble drill comes into account and getting open i mean um you know, you go back and you look at the, in that game, and some of our receivers, I thought, uh, got pushed around. Um, now, some of those pushes arounds, it's kind of interesting um, that Malik gets called on one thing, and some of the other stuff don't get called. But that's just the thing that you get right now in, in the game of football of objective calls and judgment calls and stuff like that. And so, um, I think that's one of the things. But I also think the the because we are running the football more uh, than what we have in the past, you know, it's more instead of the true air raid spread, you're getting more play action, uh, stuff like that. And so um, we did throw the ball more because we were behind uh, this last week. But I think you're seeing more of that. But the challenge is, again, too, is, man, we got to find ways to get open. And uh, I thought Miles Price did a good job with that. I thought Coy Aiken did a good job with that. Um, we were really trying to get uh, Dre going, and we didn't get him going the other night. Um, and so, you know, uh, Bray, Bradley made a big contested catch for that touchdown. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I thought he had more. It seemed like he was going to continue. But <laughs> I thought he was hanging in there right, like, like, like Bradley did, making that catch. Pausing for effect there. Yeah. But, no, I, you know, there's a lot from what McGuire said there. I asked him about that because, well, like what we said, the passing game has been so inefficient. They're actually 95th. They're ranked 95th out of 130 Division I schools in terms of passing efficiency, according to NCAA.com. So that's not good. That's not the Texas Tech football we're used to. We just had Lyle Young on. I mean, they were probably in the 20s or 30s, if not better, uh, you know, year in and year out back in the day. So I I don't like McGuire talking about the the penalties. I I think he's he's campaigning, which is good. He's doing his job. I I get it. But excuses aside and penalties aside, the receiving core hasn't been good this year. Just it hasn't. He mentioned Duran Bradley. That was, a, and you're right. That was a great touchdown catch. I mean, that was. But I've had a lot of people ask me, does is football even important to Bradley? Which I believe it is. He, I, you know, I know he works really hard at it. I know he cares a lot. I think there's a couple of times where he's given up on plays, which fans, you know, fans are unhappy. Look, the bottom line is fans are unhappy. They're used to a certain level of a high level of excellence with Texas Tech offensive football. And it's just not there this year, and specifically uh, in the passing game, which goes back to the second half where, and I know I asked Kitley about this, uh, but, in, you know, two freshmen coming out, playing against the defending Big 12 champs, a hard-nosed defense, and instead of going to kind of a ground and pound, yeah, they're low... You know, actually, if you go back and look, I don't think they loaded the box as much. He asked me in the press conference, I don't know what you saw. Uh, well, I saw Tech give up on the running game before they even tried, really, like, really tried in the second half. And I think that was a huge mistake. And I think I, I think as soon as Baron Morton didn't come back, Tech probably doesn't win that game. But McGuire in the last clip said, uh, you don't have to, <laughs> Sean's like, well, you don't have to play that. But I'm saying in the last clip we just heard, he said Tech was down. So they had to throw the ball. Well, it was 17 14 yeah. and a half. And then they actually had a lead. Uh, after, yeah, at, at one point. So I don't feel like they were in some desperate mode to throw the ball around. I think they just I, – honestly, I don't think Kitley believes in his offensive line and his running game unless they have a favorable box. I, that's the truth. I, I feel like he doesn't have faith in his offensive line to get the job done. Well, and I know the question was asked, uh, number six, uh, does McGuire talk to Kitley? Uh, maybe he wants to run and may, or pass, and, Kit, and uh, McGuire says to run. Do they do – they, does he talk to him about changing plays? Yeah, the, yeah. There's we're talking to it. I mean, I'm on both headsets, you know, and and flipping back and forth, and um, and then talking to Kenny on special teams. Um, you know, the the tough thing, uh, I, I would I would say on the one interception going into the end zone, um, you know, change, probably play call right there. Really not exactly where we want to be, and again, where we are on the field. You know, you probably uh, kind of like the West Virginia want to take a couple of shots with Taj. But, you know, the first interception, <laughs> God, go back and watch that and you wonder how, like, well, you wonder how there's no flag. Like, holy moly. Like, uh, you, you know, we forced the ball probably a little bit, but Miles gets hit uh, way before 
that ball gets there, you know. And so, really interesting. The second one, though, man, I love the play call. Um, you just, I'm telling you, you go back and watch that uh, one that he's trying to get over the linebacker. You, he's be the first one to tell you, man, give me a half a second. But no pressure was on him. We had great, we had a great pocket, and here comes X, and it's either going to be, it's going to be a foot race to see if the far side corner can tackle X because he was already past the safety that intercepted the ball or is about to be past the safety that intercepted the ball. And so, you know, that, that second interception, I mean, it was a really good play call. You know, I'm not saying McGuire's wrong there. They they threw out a lot of explanations for why they called the, the game the way they did, both Saturday after the game and then Monday. And technically, I agree with some of the things they said. I really do. But it still goes back to what has worked and what hasn't. And that's a true freshman taking his first snaps. How does that not equate in your decision-making process? On one hand, yeah, Kansas State, they're going to try and stop you from running because they know that is what could beat us. This guy, Taj Brook, can beat us if we allow him to. Uh, do we play cover zero, take our chances with a true freshman guy who's never taken a college snap? Sure. So why play right into their hands? And the fact that they wouldn't really admit that either on Saturday or Monday. They just said, you know, yeah, in hindsight, we probably should have given Taj more carries. No, you should have. There is no debate. I mean, obviously. Do you hear accountability? Well, McGuire's always going to, you know, he's always going to be accountable, but not from, and DeRuder I did for defense, but honestly, I didn't hear it. Kidley was more like, you know, I was right. You were wrong. Did you not see? You know, and they're like, yeah, I saw. I saw three turnovers because you were throwing with a true freshman quarterback. Yeah, Kidley came out very defensive. He was. was. The very first, the, the short 15 minutes from the first question you asked all the way yep. to the end. And it's funny because Kidley said in uh, pressers in the past that he feels uncomfortable being a, a balanced-ish offense rather than the yep. pass heavy that we always expected like since the turn of the century. But it's, uh, it's ironic because, you know, the three biggest plays Tech has had this year on offense, all three have been rushing. And, there you go. You know, two of them were uh, QB design runs, Shuck against uh, Oregon, Oregon, and then yeah. last week was strong, and then Valdez had one kind of in garbage time against Houston. But, you know, it's harder to have a big run play than in this past right. game. I mean, it just, you get those air yards in. So, I don't know. And, I de- and ironically, Todd isn't any of those. I mean, he's just waiting to yeah. post one out. His longest is 38, I think, also against Oregon. So, I don't know. It's just we've had more success. Is that bacon calling you? No. <laughs> uh, Blue cheese? <laughs> but, uh, we've, yeah, we've had more success running the ball. I mean, there's, there's nothing you can really get away from that. And I don't know why they're just so discouraged. It's one thing if we've had a game or two, but, I mean, it's been like the last five it's, to six games. It's clear that Kidley wants to go pass heavy. Like, I'm he looks at any excuse. And we talked about uh, Russell uh, in the break. Like, it was like, Maybe Morton being hurt actually kept him from, from calling so many uh, passing I, plays. 100% agree, yeah. Yeah, you, you brought that point up, and that's a great point. And, you know, I counter with, yeah, it was like when Jake Strong, a healthy arm got in there, he was like, all right, let's go, let's throw it all over, you know? I think as soon as, so, you know, we can make the argument a game script. Tech technically never had the ball when they're leading with Jake Strong. They went down, scored, then Kansas State responded, right. then Jake Strong first play, the next drive throws a pick, and then it was kind of all downhill from there. But, I mean, look, just it's his first snaps in the game, I and mean, you got to really give it to Taj. I get Kansas State has a good uh, rush defense, but I think with the you know Kitley was looking at it, they're behind in the second half with a fresh arm for the first time in the last three weeks. It was his perfect chance to unleash because before that, Warren had thrown no more than twenty five passes in either right. game against uh, Baylor or Houston. So 
But I think in a power five offensive coordinator, I think you have to have a little bit more discipline to what you want to do compared to what you should be doing. Absolutely. You have to be able to adapt, too. I think that's the biggest skill set you have to have. More than innovation is adaptability. Is Kitley the right offensive coordinator? Well, for that's a question here. I want to. I wrote a column, and somebody said, a five, does, does Kitley deserve a 5,000-word column? Uh, it wasn't 5,000 <laughs> words, but it was, it was a long column. Uh, I, I don't know. But I, so many people are so quick to say, fire this guy, fire right. that guy, fire this guy. No, I, I, I certainly wholeheartedly still believe in Joey McGuire and that he's the perfect fit at the right time for Texas Tech. I love, despite last week, uh, what Tim DeRuiter's done on defense at Texas Tech. He's the most competent defensive coordinator they've had easily in the last decade. Zach Kittley, I, I get his philosophy. I think his scheme can work with the right personnel. My problem is him not being willing to adapt to what he has this year. It wasn't what they thought they had, but this is what you have. So adapt to it. I think in terms of the future for um, is Kitley the, the guy for us with Hammond and, you know, our five-star receiver. I mean, when we have the future coming in, right. and, I, and that will be past heavy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts yeah. about it. And Taj obviously isn't going to be here when, you know, by the time they're here. And Valdez is looking like a good, you know, running back for the future once it's his time to shine. But, yeah, 100%. I think, uh, I think once we get those, um, our guys in, that we're looking towards for the future. And, you know, it's like, I hate before Halloween, we're already, you know, going into the next season and looking right. for those guys. But um, it'll be interesting. And it's not going to be, you know, who knows how, what's that first year true freshman impact. You know, injuries, you never know what could happen. But I think Kitley will, I think he'll, once he gets the right personnel for his uh, strategy, I think he'll, he'll excel. Yeah, I, I think this is just in a vacuum this season. I, it's not that his philosophy won't work or they can't be past happy next season with different personnel. I think that's important between the distinction of saying they should run the ball forever. It's no, it's just, this is what you have this year. And this is what you need to do to win games. By the way, Micah Hudson had another big game last night. The reporter asked him scale of one to a hundred. Where are you on your commitment to tech? And he said, 1000. It's my boy, Mike Roach. On I the, just saw uh, that. 247 uh, yeah. Network there. Well, he does a great him. job. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And he, put, he had some good videos up, too, as well. When we come back, uh, we will continue taking a deeper look, looking at the problems on offense and defense. Uh, it's the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show. We are live out at the patio at Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Candy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Taking a look at Big 12 scores. Uh, we've got uh, Oklahoma holding off Central Florida by a final of 31-29. to The Sooners get the win in that one. Uh, also, uh, Baylor gets the win on the road at Cincinnati today. Uh, the final in that one. I just lost my internet, but I know Baylor won the game. Uh, Baylor won, and I took... 32-29. I, 32-29. Texas leading Houston 21-7. That is uh, 21-13 now with uh, just seconds left in the second quarter. And West Virginia on top of Oklahoma, 17-13. They are just going into the third quarter. TCU at Kansas State tonight. And, of course, Texas Tech taking on BYU. What channel is the game on, Pete? It's on FS1. One, six o'clock. That's your Big 12 scoreboard. A deeper look. 
taking a deeper look at Red Raider football, peeling back the onion even more as many Red Raider fans are crying with the uh, three and four. I mean, just made that up. That's pretty solid. Three and, well, come on. Three and four. You would have thought they were seven and one. Uh, it would be seven and one with all the hype going into the year. This you know, this team could beat that team by 14 points, and Ooh, big 12 yeah. titles and stuff. Yeah. You know, I think, too, you really got to watch what you say. Although, you know, I know he really believed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he So, did. you know, and I know they believed they were going to be better, but, you know. We all thought, I don't remember what our, I, I predicted they'd win nine games. I, I think even I I Jeff had, like, Jeff 10, had 10 or something. I mean, yeah. Jeff had 10. Sean, I had you know, nine. had him win in the bowl game, for sure, like he does every year before <laughs> yeah. they finish well, the we, season. Well, if we can get to that depend under part of Garmin Bowl. Oh, come on. Dude. I, I want to talk about that. We've been talking yeah. about the offense a lot. I want to talk about the defense. And it's weird because, all right, so against Houston in the first half, not very good. They allowed Donovan Smith to torch him. Second half, you shut him out. They made some great adjustments. Looked really good. And then they rolled into Baylor and just dominated Baylor's offense. Six sacks. I think uh, three or four forced fumbles. They only recovered one. Uh, but they only allowed 17 rushing yards. And then last week, uh, 272 yards on the ground for the Wildcats. Avery Johnson, the... Uh, he is a true freshman, and he was a backup, but he's going to be taking over for them. Watch as the season progresses. Uh, progresses. He's a former four-star recruit, big-time uh, recruit that they got. But he, five touchdowns, great. Really could have been six. He sat down, or it could have been six touchdowns. I was having uh, flashbacks to Kalen Bellage when Oh, Arizona don't bring up that State. name. Was that seven or eight? What was eight. Oh I was gosh. there. I went to You went to, to that game? Yeah. It was one of the hottest games in terms of, like, there was steam coming off the field at night, and it was a record temperature, record high wow. for Phoenix. So to give you that, thinking, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a really hot. It was really hot. And uh, that was Jordan Brooks' first game against a Power 5 opponent. And he, I remember, he, you know, of course, now he's a pro bowler for Seattle in the NFL, but he was like, man, I don't know if I'm ready for if, if, if I can play college football because first game, oh boy, runs for eight touchdowns on us, you know, but needless to say, he got better and improved, but I, I had flashbacks to that because Kansas State basically lined up and said, we're going to do this and you can't do anything about it, you know, as opposed to Tech's offensive philosophy is like, oh no, you're going to do this so we can't do that. You know what I mean? It's like completely <laughs> opposite uh, thought processes and I, we didn't you know, Deruder, who, again, I'm a huge fan of, but in, in, I, he is definitely one of those old-school type coaches, doesn't want to be in that press conference. He could tell he's been told to do it, so he's doing it. It's part of his job. But people ask, like, why couldn't you stop it? And he was – he said he couldn't stop the QB power running game with Avery Johnson because they weren't prepared for it. They hadn't seen them do it a lot in the season, which I saw Avery Johnson run against Missouri, for example – I think he had a touchdown run. He didn't run as much against Tech, but they didn't have as much success against Missouri as they did against Tech because Missouri adjusted. But that kind of shocked me. They, they weren't ready for the Kansas State quarterback running game. Hello? They've been doing that for, like, decades, and they did it last year to you in, in Manhattan, Kansas. So that was surprising. He said they made some adjustments. So I asked him, I said, well, what adjustments did you make? He said they couldn't give. Do you have that? All right, here's what he said. Well, I can't go into all, all the detail of what we, we do. Um, but clearly what you've got to do is when they get into the three back sets is get guys that normally we're seeing one back sets or two back sets, your eyes have to change. And so getting in, into you know guys in a position where they're going to have better leverage points, but they did a good job of getting people spread. And even though you're setting an edge, if you're too wide, there's more room inside of you and there's more room for whoever's that inside fitter to maybe not, make a, a, a tackle as well as you would have if everything's in tight so 
uh, in a nutshell, it's getting guys to understand what they were doing, who needs to set edges, and, and how we've got to get it compressed. So he said basically, hey, guys, look for the run. They got three backs out there. Is that, I mean, you know what I mean? Maybe get a little closer to the line of scrimmage. So they didn't change personnel. They didn't really change their alignment a lot. And I don't I mean, clearly it didn't work. Now, again, just two weeks ago, they held Baylor to 17 rushing yards and sacked him six times. So DeRuiter and the defense look like a doomsday defense or the steel curtain or whatever two weeks ago. Last last week, they look like well, Texas Tech defense, to be honest. You know, we've seen for they look like the Olay defense. I mean, yeah. how many times did Johnson go fake to the outside and then cut back inside and wasn't touched? How many times did he go into the end zone and wasn't touched once by any Yeah, runner? and how many times did we feel like Kansas State felt any kind of pressure on offense? None. Like, never. There's never a time like, all right, here's a big third. Like, do you remember the third down thing going off in the Jones in the second half? I don't know if they even got to third down. And you go how back many times? To, you go back to passing. I mean, with obviously turnovers will accelerate it, but when you're passing those incompletions and you're stopping the clock, it yeah. does not help the defense going back out there after three now or even one, two plays, for example. Or just a turnover. Right. I mean, there was like three picks and, what, 15 plays yeah. or something yeah. like that? I yeah. mean, and a fourth one was dropped. It was like a it was a fair they catch. Lucky. Yeah, yeah I mean, basically. So, yeah, I mean, it's all – that's one thing that Joey McGuire said when he was hired, and that was a key point is that he said, he said, we're going to play complementary football. We're going to play defense. And ironically – even though the defense struggled last week, I feel like the defense is doing a much better job of playing complimentary football this season than the offense. But uh, even special teams was not good last week. And let's be honest. They had two, there was two games for well, at least one and a half games where in all three phases, Texas Tech looked solid, well-coached, all that. A confident. They played with some confidence as opposed to last week. And then last week it was just from the, from the get-go, Really, all three phases struggled. Well, it'll be a big night for Austin McNamara tonight. Uh, he's from the Utah area. Yeah, well, hopefully, he, he didn't have he, to be utilized a lot. Right. right. Well, he might be. And <laughs> then, right. you know, BYU's got a top guy, too. So, mm-hmm. I know, you know, McNamara is pretty pumped for tonight. And, uh, you know, he was courted by BYU. He's gone to games there. And so, you would expect him uh, coming home, hopefully, to have a big game tonight. I mean, somebody's got to provide a spark. Uh, you know, you see all these interceptions, and uh, somebody's got to, you know, they got to make some. I feel like we used to talk about this. You got to make some adjustments, and one coach never made adjustments. But he's yeah. a good guy. Uh-oh. He's a nice guy. I deserve yeah. that. <laughs> no, that wasn't a dig at you, though. That was a dig at him. So, hey, when we come back, uh, we will take a look at the offense and defense for tonight's Red Raider game against BYU. They will kick it off in uh, an hour and a half from now. Six o'clock. So uh, it's uh, the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game Show live from the patio at Bubba's 33 at South Plains Mall on Rock 101.1. A deeper look. Doing a great job in run blocking with them also um, saying, Coach, I mean, look, if you want to settle the game down and you keep talking about that, then let us do it. Uh, I said, you know, Saturday night, uh, Caleb Rogers said that multiple times to me during the game. And so I think uh, with with the biggest thing with Taj playing the way he's playing, um, you know, it gives us a great opportunity to be effective. Well, that's Joey McGuire. Uh, you heard what he said there about the, you know, the guys wanted uh, Taj. And uh, what are your thoughts about not getting enough Taj? Well, that has been the topic, let's be honest, really for a lot of the season, the last month, and specifically this last week after the Kansas State game. That quote from McGuire was actually the Monday after 
Texas Tech beat Houston at home, and Taj had a great game. And uh, he's, you know, he said the offensive line. I actually asked McGuire that question. You know, do you feel like you've established an identity? The running game is where it's at for Texas Tech. And yeah, he said, uh, you know, even the offensive line was asking for it. The fans are asking for it. It's clear to I think all of us who follow Texas Tech basically day in and day out uh, that. It's clear that uh, you know the running game is where it's at this year, where for the most of the, since Leach showed up in West Texas, it's been all about the passing game. Yeah. But I I don't care if they throw it eighty times, they run it eighty times. I want them to be effective. It, clearly, this season the running game is the only thing that's been consistently effective for Texas Tech. Now there there have been some nice plays in the passing game, but almost all of those have come off after establishing Taj Brooks. Baron Morton had that three-touchdown game against Baylor. A lot of that was in the red zone He, I, uh, where Baylor was loading up to stop the run after you had already established Taj, not before or not because of this or that. It was because the running game had been so effective. And I feel like that is the key, not just for the offense, but for the entire team. Coaster Ruder told me how it helped his defense as well. Texas Tech being a more ground-oriented team. We just heard Coach McGuire talk about it. The offensive line is asking for it. The fans are asking for it. So let's hope they do that tonight in Provo. Well, and on the flip side, you know, the air raid is, is not as uh, loud as usual, but um, Coach McGuire answered the fact about the passing game uh, not executed. Um, you know, I, it's it, we're different. Um, I think we're different definitely than we were the first two games and where we are now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a mixture. I mean, I think uh, one of the things coming out of um, the game on uh, – on Saturday is uh, really challenges guys to be more physical in their routes and and uh, uh, whenever things break down, uh, the scramble drill comes into account and getting open. I mean, um, you know, you go back and you look at through the, in that game and some of our receivers, I thought, uh, got pushed around. Um, now, some of those pushes arounds, it's kind of interesting um, that Malik gets called on one thing and some of the other stuff don't get called, but that's just the thing that you get right now in, in the game of football of objective calls and judgment calls and stuff like that. And so um, I think that's one of the things, but I also think the, the because we are running the football more uh, than what we have in the past, you know, it's more instead of the true air raid spread, you're getting more play action, uh, stuff like that. And so um, we did throw the ball more because we were behind. Uh, this last week, but I think you're seeing more of that. But the challenge is again too is man, we got to find ways to get open. And uh, I thought Miles Price did a good job with that. I thought Coy Aiken did a good job with that. Um, we were really trying to get uh, Dre going, and we didn't get him going the other night. Um, and so you know, uh, Bradley made a big contested catch for that touchdown. Um, Yeah, yeah, and that, I thought he had more. It seemed like he was going to continue. But <laughs> I thought he was hanging in air right, like, it was like, like Bradley did making that catch. Pausing for effect there. Yeah. But, no, I, you know, there's a lot from what McGuire said there. I asked him about that because, well, like what we said, the passing game has been so inefficient. They're actually 95th. They're ranked 95th out of 130 Division I schools in terms of passing efficiency, according to NCAA.com. 
So that's not good. That's not the Texas Tech football we're used to. We just had Lyle Leong on. I mean, they were probably in the 20s or 30s, if not better, uh, you know, year in and year out back in the day. So I, I don't like McGuire talking about the, the, the penalties. I, I think he's, he's campaigning, which is good. He's doing his job. I, I get it. But excuses aside and penalties aside, the receiving core hasn't been good this year. Just It hasn't. He mentioned Duran Bradley. That was, a, And you're right. That was a great touchdown catch. I mean, that was. But I've had a lot of people ask me, does, is football even important to Bradley? Which I believe it is. He, I, you know, I know he works really hard at it. I know he cares a lot. I think there's a couple of times where he's given up on plays, which fans, you know, fans are unhappy. Look, the bottom line is fans are unhappy. They're used to a certain level of a high level of excellence with Texas Tech offensive football. And it's just not there this year, and specifically uh, in the passing game, which goes back to the second half where, and I know I asked Kitley about this, uh, but, in, you know, true freshman coming out, playing against the defending Big 12 champs, a hard-nosed defense, and instead of going to kind of a ground and pound, yeah, they're low... You know, actually, if you go back and look, I don't think they loaded the box as much. He asked me in the press conference, I don't know what you saw. Uh, well, I saw Tech give up on the running game before they even tried, really, really tried in the second half. And I think that was a huge mistake. And I think I, I think as soon as Baron Morton didn't come back, Tech probably doesn't win that game. But McGuire in the last clip said, uh, you don't have to, <laughs> like, you don't have to play that. But I'm saying in the last clip we just heard, he said Tech was down. So they had to throw the ball. Well, it was 17-14 yeah. and a half. And then they actually had a lead. Uh, after, yeah, at, at one point. So I don't feel like they were in some desperate mode to throw the ball around. I think they just I, – honestly, I don't think Kitley believes in his offensive line and his running game unless they have a favorable box. I, that's the truth. I, I feel like he doesn't have faith in his offensive line to get the job done. Well, and I know the question was asked, uh, number six, uh, does McGuire talk to Kitley? Uh, maybe he wants to run and may, or pass, and Kit, and uh, McGuire says to run. Do they do – they, does he talk to him about changing plays? Yeah, yeah. There's we're talking to it. I mean, I'm on both headsets, you know, and I'm flipping back and forth, and um, and then talking to Kenny on special teams. Um, you know, the the tough thing, uh, I, I would I would say on the one interception going into the end zone, um, you know, change, probably play call right there. Really not exactly where we want to be, and again, where we are on the field. You know, you probably uh, kind of like the West Virginia want to take a couple of shots with Taj. But, you know, the first interception, <laughs> God, go back and watch that. And you wonder how, like, well, you wonder how there's no flag. Like, holy moly. Like, uh, you, you know, we forced the ball probably a little bit, but Miles gets hit uh, way before that ball gets there, you know, and so really interesting. The second one, though, man, I love the play call. Um, you know, just I'm telling you, you go back and watch that uh, one that he's trying to get over the linebacker. You, he's be the first one to tell you, man, give me a half a second. No pressure was on him. We had great, we had a great pocket, and here comes X, and it's either going to be it's going to be a foot race to see if the far side corner can tackle X because he was already past the safety that intercepted the ball or is about to be past the safety that intercepted the ball. And so, you know, that, that second interception, I mean, it was a really good play call. You know, I'm not saying McGuire's wrong there. And they've, they threw out a lot of explanations for why they called the, the game the way they did, both 
Saturday after the game and then Monday. And technically, I agree with some of the things they said. I really do. But it still goes back to what has worked and what hasn't. And that's a true freshman taking his first snaps. How does that not equate in your decision-making process? On one hand, yeah, Kansas State, they're going to try and stop you from running because they know that is what could beat us. This guy, Taj Brook, can beat us if we allow him to. Uh, Do we play cover zero, take our chances with a true freshman guy who's never taken a college snap? Sure. So why play right into their hands? And the fact that they wouldn't really admit that either on Saturday or Monday. They just said, you know, yeah, in hindsight, we probably should have given Taj more cares. No, you should have. There is no debate. I mean, obviously. Do you hear accountability? Well, McGuire's always going to, you know, he's always going to be accountable, but not from, and DeRuder I did for defense, but honestly, I didn't hear it. Kidley was more like, you know, I was right. You were wrong. Did you not see? You know, like, yeah, I saw. I saw three turnovers because you were throwing with a true freshman quarterback. Yeah, Kitley came out very defensive. He that was. was the very first, the, the short 15 minutes from the first question you asked all the way yep. to the end. And it's funny because Kitley said in uh, pressers in the past that he feels uncomfortable being a, a balanced-ish offense rather than the yep. pass-heavy that we always expected like since the turn of the century. But it's, uh, it's ironic because, you know, the three biggest plays Tech has had this year on offense, all three have been rushing. And, there you go. You know, two of them were uh, QB design runs. Chuck against uh, Oregon, Oregon, and then yeah. last week was strong. And then Valdez had one kind of in garbage time against Houston. But you know, it's harder to have a big run play than it is pass right. game. I mean, it just, you get those air yards in. So I don't know. And I de- and ironically, Taj isn't any of those. I mean, he's just waiting to yeah. bust one out. His longest is 38, I think, also against Oregon. So I don't know. It's just we've had more success. Is that bacon calling you? No. <laughs> uh, Blue cheese. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, we've, yeah, we've had more success running the ball. I mean, there's, there's nothing you can really get away from that. And I don't know why they're just so discouraged. It's one thing if we've had a game or two, but, I mean, it's been like the last five, it's, six games. It's clear that Kidley wants to go pass heavy. Like, 100%. he looks at any excuse. And we talked about uh, Russell uh, in the break. Like, it was like maybe Morton being hurt actually kept him from, from calling so many uh, passing I, plays. 100% agree, yeah. Yeah, you, you brought that point up, and that's a great point. And, you know, I counter with, yeah, it was like when Jake Strong, a healthy arm got in there, he was like, all right, let's go, let's throw it all over, you know? I think as soon as, so, you know, we can make the argument a game script, Tech technically never had the ball when they're leading with Jake Strong. They went down, scored, then Kansas State responded, right. then Jake Strong first play, the next drive throws a pick, and then it was kind of all downhill from there. But, I mean, look, just it's his first snaps in the game. I mean, you got to really give it to Taj. I get Kansas State has a good uh, rush defense, but I think with the you know Kitley was looking at it, they're behind in the second half with a fresh arm for the first time in the last three weeks. It was his perfect chance to unleash because before that, Morn had thrown no more than twenty five passes in either right. game against uh, Baylor or Houston. So, but it, I think in a Power Five offensive coordinator, I think you have to have a little bit more discipline to what you want to do compared to what you should be doing. Absolutely. You have to be able to adapt, too. I think that's the biggest skill set you have to have. More than innovation is adaptability. Is Kitley the right offensive coordinator? Well, for that's a question here. I want to. I wrote a column, and somebody said, a five, does, does Kitley deserve a 5,000-word column? Uh, it wasn't 5,000 words, but it was, it was a long column. Uh, I, I don't know. But I, so many people are so quick to say, fire this guy, fire that guy, fire this guy. No, I, I, I certainly wholeheartedly still believe in Joey McGuire and he's the perfect fit at the right time for Texas Tech. I love 
despite last week, uh, what Tim DeRuiter's done on defense at Texas Tech. He's the most competent defensive coordinator they've had at least easily in the last decade. Zach Kittley, I, I get his philosophy. I think his scheme can work with the right personnel. My problem is him not being willing to adapt to what he has this year. It wasn't what they thought they had, but this is what you have. So adapt to it. I think in terms of the future for um, is Kitley the, the guy for us with him and, and you know our five stars here. I mean, when we have the future coming in, right? And, I, and that will be pass heavy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts yeah. about it. And Taj obviously isn't going to be here when you know by the time they're here. And Valdez is looking like a good you know running back for the future once it's his time to shine. But yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, I think once we get those um, our guys in that we're looking towards for the future. And, you know, it's like, I hate before Halloween, we're already, you know, going into the next season and looking right. for those guys. But um, it'll be interesting. And it's not going to be, you know, who knows how it's that first year true freshman impact. You know, injuries, you never know what could happen. But I think Kitley will, I think he'll, once he gets the right personnel for his uh, strategy, I think he'll, he'll excel. Yeah, I, I think this is just in a vacuum this season. I, it's not that his philosophy won't work or they can't be pass happy next season with different personnel. I think that's important between the distinction of saying they should run the ball forever. It's no, it's just, this is what you have this year and this is what you need to do to win games. By the way, Micah Hudson had another big game last night. The reporter asked him scale of one to a hundred. Where are you on your commitment to tech? And he said, 1000. It's my boy, Mike Roach. On I the, just saw uh, that. 247 uh, yeah. Network there. Well, he does a him. great job. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. And he, put, he had some good videos up, too, as well. When we come back, uh, we will continue taking a deeper look, looking at the problems on offense and defense. Uh, it's the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show. We are live out at the patio at Bubba's 33 on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Taking a look at Big 12 scores. Uh, we've got uh, Oklahoma holding off Central Florida by a final of 31-29. to The Sooners get the win in that one. Uh, also, uh, Baylor gets the win on the road at Cincinnati today. Uh, the final in that one. I just lost my internet, but I know Baylor won the game. Uh, ba- Baylor won, 30, and I took... 32-29. 30, 30, 32-29. Texas leading Houston 21-7. That is uh, 21-13 now with uh, just seconds left in the second quarter. And West Virginia on top of Oklahoma, 17-13. They are just going into the third quarter. TCU at Kansas State tonight. And, of course, Texas Tech taking on BYU. What channel is the game on, Pete? It's on FS1. One, six o'clock. That's your Big 12 scoreboard. A deeper look. Taking a deeper look at Red Raider football, peeling back the onion even more as many Red Raider fans are crying with the uh, three and four. I mean, just made that up. That's pretty solid. Three and, well, come on. Three and four. You would have thought they were seven and one. Uh, it would be seven and one with all the hype going into the year. This, you know, this team could beat that team by fourteen points, Ooh, big yeah. twelve titles and stuff. Yeah. You know, I think too. You really got to watch what you say. Um, although, you know, I know he really believed that. No, yeah, yeah. He so, 
You know, and I know they believe they were going to be better, but, you know. We all thought. I don't remember what our, I, I predicted they'd win nine games. I, I think, think even I too. I Jeff had like Jeff 10 had or 10. something. I mean, yeah. Jeff had 10. Sean, had you know, nine. had him winning the bowl game for sure, like he does every year before <laughs> yeah. they finish well, the we, season. If we can get to that depend under part of retirement bowl. Oh, come on. I, I want to talk about that. We've been talking yeah. about the offense a lot. I want to talk about the defense. And it's weird because, all right, so against Houston in the first half, not very good. They allowed Donovan Smith to torch him. Second half, you shut him out. They made some great adjustments. Looked really good. And then they rolled into Baylor and just dominated Baylor's offense. Six sacks. I think uh, three or four forced fumbles. They only recovered one. Uh, but they only allowed 17 rushing yards. And then last week, uh, 272 yards on the ground for the Wildcats. Avery Johnson, uh, he is a true freshman, and he was a backup. But he's going to be taking over for the watch as the season progresses. Uh, progresses. He's a former four-star recruit, big-time uh, recruit that they got. But he, five touchdowns, great. Really could have been six. He sat down, or it could have been six touchdowns. I was having uh, flashbacks to Kalen Bellage. When oh, Arizona don't bring up that State. name. Was that seven or eight? What eight. Was oh I was gosh. there. I went to, you went to, to Tempe. Yeah. It was one of the hottest games in terms of, like, there was steam coming off the field at night, and it was a record temperature, record high wow. for Phoenix. So to give you that, thinking, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a really hot. It was really hot. And – uh, that was Jordan Brooks's first game against a Power Five opponent, and he—I remember—you know—of course now he's a Pro Bowler for Seattle in the NFL. But he was like, "Man, I don't know if I'm ready for if if, if I could play college football because first game, oh boy, runs for eight touchdowns on us, you know." But needless to say, he got better and improved. But I, I had flashbacks to that because Kansas State basically lined up and said, "We're going to do this, and you can't do anything about it." You know, as opposed to Tech's offensive philosophy is like, oh, no, you're going to do this, so we can't do that. You know what I mean? It's like completely <laughs> opposite uh, thought processes. And I, we didn't, you know, <laughs> DeRuiter, who, again, I'm a huge fan of, but in, in, uh, he is definitely one of those old-school type coaches, doesn't want to be in that press conference. You could tell he's been told to do it, so he's doing it. It's part of his job. But people ask, like, why couldn't you stop it? And he was... He said he couldn't stop the QB power running game with Avery Johnson because they weren't prepared for it. They hadn't seen them do it a lot in the season, which I saw Avery Johnson run against Missouri, for example. I think he had a touchdown run. He didn't run as much against Tech, but they didn't have as much success against Missouri as they did against Tech because Missouri adjusted. But that kind of shocked me. They, they weren't ready for the Kansas State quarterback running game. Hello? They've been doing that for, like, decades, and they did it last year to you in, in Manhattan, Kansas. So that was surprising. He said they made some adjustments. So I asked him, I said, well, what adjustments did you make? And he said they couldn't give. Do you have that? All right, here's what he said. Well, I can't go into all, all the detail of what we, we do. Um, but clearly what you've got to do is when they get into the three-back sets is get guys that normally we're seeing one-back sets or two-back sets, your eyes have to change. And so getting in, into you know guys in a position where they're going to have better leverage points but they did a good job of getting people spread and even though you're setting an edge if you're too wide there's more room inside of you and there's more room for whoever's that inside fitter to maybe not make a, a, a tackle as well as you would have if everything's in tight so uh, in a nutshell it, it's getting guys to understand what they were doing who needs to set edges and, and how we've got to get it compressed so he said basically, hey, guys, look for the run. They got three backs out there. Is that, I mean, you know what I mean? Maybe get a little closer to the line of scrimmage. So they didn't change personnel. They didn't really change their alignment a lot. And I don't I mean, clearly it didn't work. Now, again, just two weeks ago, they held Baylor to 17 rushing yards and sacked him six times. So DeRuiter and the defense look like 
a doomsday defense or the steel curtain or whatever two weeks ago. Last last week, they looked like uh, Texas the, Tech defense, to be honest. You know, we've seen for they looked like the old late defense. I mean, yeah. how many times did Johnson go fake to the outside and then cut back inside and it wasn't touched? How many times did he go into the end zone and wasn't touched once? by any revenue. Yeah, and how many times did we feel like Kansas State felt any kind of pressure on offense? None. Like, never. There was never a time like, all right, here's a big third. Like, do you remember the third down thing going off in the Jones in the second half? I don't know if they even got to third down. And you go how back many times? To, you go back to passing. I mean, with obviously turnovers will accelerate it, but when you're passing those incompletions and you're stopping the clock, it yeah. does not help the defense going back out there after three now or even one, two plays, for example. Or just a turnover. Right. I mean, there was like three picks and, what, 15 plays yeah. or something yeah. like that? I yeah. mean, and a fourth one was dropped. It was like a it was a fair they catch. Elect, yeah, yeah I mean, basically. So, yeah, I mean, it's all... That's one thing that Joey McGuire said when he was hired, and that was a key point, is that he said, he said, we're going to play complimentary football. We're going to play defense. And ironically... Even though the defense struggled last week, I feel like the defense is doing a much better job of playing complimentary football this season than the offense. But uh, even special teams was not good last week. And let's be honest, they had there's two games for well, at least one and a half games where in all three phases Texas Tech looked solid, well coached, all that, a confident, and it played with some confidence as opposed to last week. And then last week it was just from the from the get go. Really, all three phases struggle. Well, it'll be a big night for Austin McNamara tonight. Uh, he's from the Utah area. Well, hopefully, he, he didn't have to be utilized a lot. Right. Well, he might be. <laughs> so and then, right. you know, BYU's got a top guy, too. So mm-hmm. I know, you know, McNamara is pretty pumped for tonight. And, uh, you know, he was courted by BYU. He's gone to games there. And so you would expect him uh, coming home, hopefully, to have a big game tonight. I mean, somebody's got to provide a spark. Uh, you know, you see all these interceptions, and uh, somebody's got to, you know, they got to make some. I feel like we used to talk about this. You got to make some adjustments, and one coach never made adjustments. But he's yeah. a good guy. Uh-oh. He's a nice guy. I deserve yeah. that. No, that was the thing you, though. That was the thing you him. So, hey, when we come back, uh, we will take a look at the offense and defense for tonight's Red Raider game against BYU. They will kick it off in uh, an hour and a half from now. Six o'clock. So uh, it's uh, the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show live from the patio at Bubba's 33 at South Plains Mall on Rock 101.1.